0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Blessings in the new year. The blessings have already begun because you're here. And you've seen 2024, right? And so, my friends, um, as I uh, thought about um, today on the celebration of the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God, the Theotokos, I was able to watch last night some of the festivities in the secular world, and um, laughed at most of them, and uh, thought you will regret that in the morning, Uh, not only what you did, but what you said. Um, But then this morning I watched as um, they began to go over uh, what is the custom and tradition of New Year's, where people make resolutions, and, and then... Different speakers came forward on the news and stuff and tried to strategize, how do you do this? How do you get beyond the first week, the first two weeks of the New Year's resolutions? And uh, um, it was very interesting, some of the things they would put forth. And my friends, uh, uh, this is a calendar event for us, what, we, what I know as Chronos. And the Kairos event is what the scriptures just talked about, but the Kronos event is the passage of time. And uh, uh, for some, uh, 23, they're, thank goodness, and see ya, <laughs> and I welcome 24. For others, um, it's a little bit different. And Deacon um, became a grandfather again, the fifth time. <laughs> Mark and Corrine celebrated their anniversary, and Mark celebrates his birthday, the markings, the passage of time. And uh, for me, I recall my mother's passing. She died on January 1 of 2011. And so um, this day is marked with that. Well, in human uh, thinking, it is a great sadness. But from what I know of God, this is good for my mom. And because she is the mother of a priest, Our Lady looks to her and, uh, to help her. And so, uh, although I never celebrate uh, anniversary mass for her because it's a solemnity, I don't have to. (laughs) She's the mother of a priest. um, And Mary is the mother of the high priest. So I hope that they are speaking to each other about things. And hopefully the things my mom said in this world, she's not saying over there. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly about her son. (laughs) So my friends, we... Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians uh, are well known for our devotion, our veneration of Our Lady Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Mary's role in salvation history has been a flashpoint in discussions between Catholics and Catholic Christians and Protestant Christians. There is much confusion about the different Marian titles. In fact, they are often misunderstood a good rule of thumb is that any title that Mary has says more about Jesus than it does about her, really. Mary's the Theotokos, the God-bearer. This is talking of, she can't be that without her son. You see, it refers to the son and tells us something about the son. And this is how she prefers it. And that is the case of today, when we celebrate the solemnity of Mary, the mother of God, on its face, such a title, Mother of God, is puzzling to some people. How can God, who exists from all eternity, have a mother? Where is that in the scriptures? That's what I, I always get from, the, from the, the non-Catholic Christians. Where is that in the scripture? And I was like, well, for the first 70 years, there was no scripture. <laughs> Mark's Gospel was written in 70 AD, so it was by tradition. So stop being... Well, I can't say it from because I'm at the amble. <laughs> I will get in trouble and I'll have to find a priest to, for confession. But my friends, if we properly understand what the Mother Church is doing, for instance, the scriptures today, the first one from Old Testament speaks about God. Now, the Hebrew people would never have said Lord. They would have said Yahweh. So may Yahweh bless you. And, and it speaks about the Father. The second reading... Mother Church has put for this day tells us about the Son. And the third reading really speaks about the Holy Spirit. How, was, how did this come to pass, this birth? Because of the remember, who overshadowed her? The power of the Most High through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it speaks about the triune God. So my friends properly understood the statement uh, about Mary being The Theotokos is about Jesus, the incarnate word, the Logos, made flesh. Um, But my friends, uh, just so you know, um, these questions have perplexed Mother Church also. Um, For the holy fathers and mothers of the church, uh, the cardinals, the bishops in 431 A.D. came together. There was one particular bishop who was kind of just, we won't mention his name, (laughs) But uh, they debated, should we be calling her Theotokos? Should we be calling her Mother of God? What does that mean? And Theotokos, is the Greek word, means God-bearer. And uh, they argued about whether it was appropriate uh, to say this of Our Lady. And uh, there was a great number of theologians of that time that objected to it. Uh, they said, better to call her Christotokos, the Christ-bearer. And uh, I was looking at the documents, and it was heated. It was a heated debate. These theologians said it was better to refer to Mary as the one who bore the Christ rather than the one who bore God. They said, uh, you imply that She is the creator of divinity. But that's not what it meant. So they argued that. The other side of the argument were theologians who said Jesus is the Logos, he is the Son of God, he is God. To that degree then, Mary could legitimately be called Theotokos. Guess who won? The argument. Because we call her Theotokos. So So. This argument passed. So, in uh, the Council of Ephesus, uh, is where they uh, made this a proclamation and said, This is how we will refer to her. And then that proclamation said, And so will all Catholics. And so, my friends, um, we are commemorating then Mary, the Mother of God. It is way too easy to become caught up in this Marian title uh, as another example of misplaced devotion to Our Lady. Ultimately, like so many Marian titles, this says more about Jesus and his identity than about Our Lady. And the claim is simply and profoundly this. Jesus is the incarnate Word. He has been God from the moment of eternity. He has always been that way. But from the moment of his conception in the womb of Our Lady which we call hypostatic union. We won't get into that this morning because you do not want to hear a theological pinning about hypostatic union because it still gives me a headache. But from that moment, this union began. And so, in fact, she gives birth to the Christos. She gives birth to the divine one. And my friends, it is not that humanity humanity must raise itself up to divinity, but rather that divinity, what we call condescends, and that's not a bad word in this sense, uh, humbles itself, if you will, uh, to become um, human. If we come to this realization, we see that the sacred is thus infused, if you will, with the secular. For the incarnation, uh, the divine has become human. And this is for all time. It wasn't just something that happened, such as Kronos, but Kairos. So it's for all time now. Jesus will always be fully human and fully divine. Even in heaven, he's fully human and fully divine. And because of this, and because of this, because he raised the dignity of Humanity, because of this, we must treat all people with respect and dignity. And as Francis says, Francis of Rome, our Pope, and treat his creation likewise. There, I finally found a way to get that in there. (laughs) He knows how to do it really well. I don't know how to do it, but here we go. I snuck it in. My friends, Despite all the evidence to the contrary, wars, poverty, disease, the selfishness and self-centeredness of the human heart often, and even human death, the fact is divinity has entered into our existence, and eternal life has been given. My friends, um, one of the things that I picked up on the news reports where people were talking about change and their hopes for a different year and different uh, things, and uh, my friends on this first day of the new year, folks, hope for that, and I, I... And I think that's good, and certainly uh, they want uh, peace, and many wanted prosperity. And it reminds me, uh, because there were others that were like, well, uh, we're not going to see that, but such pessimism on the new calendar day, I'm like, oh, you're not going to have a good year, are you? (laughs) It reminds me of a story uh, about a a rabbi. As the story goes, he was told that the Messiah had arrived, and uh, The rabbi, it is said, went to the window, looked out, and returned, shaking his head, and said, No, I see no change in anything. We Christians believe everything has changed with the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And yet, in a sense, as that rabbi thought, many see no change really. My friends, As disciples of Jesus, we are to be building up his kingdom here, working towards that goal. And it's supposed to be steeped in patience and love and peace and forgiveness and mercy and love and charity. If we are really doing this and making it very visible as we have been given a mission as baptized Christians, if we do this, anyone who opens the window using that story about the rabbi and sees the people of the church, the Christians, they should be able to say, well, maybe not a whole lot has changed this year, but I do see some progress. Look at them. (laughs) Look at them, those followers of Jesus Christ. They are working for a kingdom of justice and peace and love. So there is change that's possible. My friends, um, when I think about Christ, the Messiah, God who became man, in a way, God allows himself to enter in, as I have been speaking about the past couple of weeks, he enters into our human experience, into our hum- what it is to be human. And in, to this extent, God allows himself to suffer with his creation, And when it is desecrated, as God intimately knows human life and the human struggle for justice and dignity and equality, he feels it. Jesus, the incarnate word, underwent the Paschal mystery. Because people say, Father, how can you say such a thing? I can say such a thing because of the Paschal mystery. Jesus, in his incarnation, was really born. Jesus, who was a human, and yet fully divine, underwent the passion. He suffered. Jesus actually died. He didn't pretend to die. He died. And then Jesus actually resurrected from the dead. Not pretend, for real. So this is how we can say God experiences the human reality. By doing so, he gave new meaning to those most fundamental aspects of our world. Human death now leads to life. The created world is infused now with the divine in a unique way. In Christ, there are many things that we do not understand in this life. Cole, there are many things we do not understand, that we cannot understand fully. And when you try, in my case, you get headaches from it. (laughs) Today, the Virgin Mary's response tells me what to do. Contemplate it. Just pray about it. Meaning, these mysterious things. Certainly ask God, could you help me with this? Because I don't understand it. When faced with the infinite mystery of God, become human. Mary holds it close to her heart, her very core, safe in the center of her heart, and she reflects on it. Mary bore the divine in her womb and gave birth to Jesus, the Christos, the Messiah. As such, she is to be called the Theotokos. The divine has come to us as one of us, born of a woman, under the law, as the Scripture says. Our faith teaches us that humanity is now sacred because of it. So, my friends, we should treasure her title as Theotokos. And it is not a passing title, gone after the Word is made incarnate. Mary is permanently the mother of God. Hers is an abiding dignity, Do you think that God would use a human person like this and then toss her away? You will bear my son, and then after that? Hmm. Is that how you know and experience God? I ask people to think. You can read all the theological pinnings, and you can read all the books, but let's just get real here about God for people who, oh, no, no, Mary, Mary, Mary. Wait a minute. Does the God that you adore and worship and pray to, do you think he would do such a thing? Well, well, well? No, he would not. And just as Jesus is forever and permanently fully human and fully divine, so Mary is forever the Theotokos. That dignity is hers, given as gift from God for all eternity. And so, yes, you can ask for her assistance and intercession. Because when we do, we do so, we ask her as the Theotokos, no longer Mary of Nazareth, but the Theotokos. Under the title and through its reality, she has immense intercessory efficacy with God. Do you think God does not listen? To her prayer? With regards to homage and veneration and honor of Our Lady, does not the Scriptures tell us to honor our mother and father? I don't need Augustine to explain this to you. I am simply being practical with you. I'm getting real with you. Go and look at the commandments, the Ten Commandments given by Moses. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. It's the only one that has a carrot at the end of it. (laughs) If you do this, you'll live a long time. In this case, eternity. At the cross, Jesus said, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He was talking to one of his apostles. Our Lord spoke these words to St. John, the Beloved One. In doing so, the Lord gave Mary, his mother, to John. John represents the church. So then as an extension, Jesus has given his mother to the church, to all of its members now, you. Subsequently, this statement also makes the Virgin Mary, Our Lady, the Theotokos, but she also becomes your spiritual mom. So it is right to say, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God. May we be made worthy of the promises of your Son. And will you help us to get there? In that Kairos event, she brings forth the Messiah, and gives him to the world. Now in heaven as queen, she turns and brings us the world to her son. We ponder through many things. And at this mass, we look at what God has done for humanity. The readings, the gospel, the Eucharistic prayer, all asked us to ponder in our hearts this great mystery God's gift this is why it is most appropriate for us to be right here where you are in this church here we ponder the past we ask for a blessing for the new year and plan how we can uh, if you will bring Christ into our lives and my friends given that the custom and tradition is resolutions, I will give you three. The first one, pray more. Pray, use your time to discern God's presence in the world and in your life, in the good times and in the bad times. When you are healthy and when you are sick, he enters into that experience with you. Everything has its place in God's redeeming plan. Ask him, how is it that I fit into that plan now, Lord? The second one, let us stop being people who complain all the time. I'm talking about us Christians. We criticize and criticize and criticize. We need to do more than that. We cannot just criticize the culture of death that is in our society. We have to build up a culture of life. It's not enough just to complain. Go and do something. Be a light. The scripture says you are salt for the earth and light for the world. So then be a light. Don't just curse the darkness around us. Define yourselves... Not only by what you are against, but what you are for. Do not just oppose, but be a symbol of all that is good. And help the world to focus then. So my friends, if we find that we can't find honesty anywhere, then let us be that symbol of honesty in the world. If we do not find respect for life, let us put it there then. That is our role. If you don't find loyalty and fidelity, become it. We can bring this into this new year in a new way. So not only curse the darkness, but rekindle the light of life and faith and love in the world. And my friends, uh, the other one is, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, so to speak, that the one was, Make Mary a part of your spirituality. She's your mom. <laughs> Which brings me to this. I know it's a long homily. It's the start of the new year. <laughs> <laughs> I did not make a new year's resolution to do shorter homilies. <laughs> Although all, good, all things are possible for God. <laughs> but it says Mary pondered. Uh, the earlier translations that she treasured. All these things that were going on. And as you see in our crush, we see Mary gazing down upon her son. Her son is God, the creator of all things. And I wonder, this is not theological, this is now your pastor speaking from his heart. Her son. She is gazing upon him and looking into his eyes as a mother does. What did she see when she gazed into the windows, the eyes of her son? She saw everything, everything that God permits. She saw everything perhaps, that God sees. And what does God see? You. So she sees you. This is your pastor. Not the scriptures, and not theology. She gazes into the eyes of her son who opens the windows of heaven to her that she may see And what she sees is just not her son, but in baptism, all the children. You. So she sees you. She gazes upon you. Your mother is watching. You better be good. (laughs) Think about it. She's watching you. Every good mother desires only what is best for her children. So you can come to her. You can come to her. She will lead you to her son. She will stand with you. She will petition her son. All you have to do is love him. And as the scriptures say, love each other. Do this. You will make your mother smile. We have to give her reason to smile from down here. Amen?